Hello and welcome to another episode of Cybertech Talks, a podcast where we bring cybersecurity professionals together for a conversation. In this episode, we hear from penetration testing experts Sean Peepel from Rootshell Security and Tom Elson from JumpSec as they discuss reporting, why it's an important aspect of penetration testing, where it's currently at, and how they can see it evolving. We hope you enjoy the episode. I'm the Vice President of uh, Global Threat Services over at Rootshell Security. My day-to-day task is ultimately managing client expectations, delivery of penetration tests through to red teaming, purple teaming, to the more sort of audit-based and scenario testing. We also provide something called Prism Platform, which essentially is a very capable reporting framework, which is not only something that has been conceived and designed by penetration testers, but actually utilised by penetration testers and also in clients. So good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Tom Elson, Head of Offensive Security at JumpSec. Uh, my day-to-day is uh, looking after the team at JumpSec um, of defensive consultants, additionally carrying out simulated attacks uh, and also um, getting involved in the technical um, aspect of um, consultancy and delivery for our clients. Um, we work the range of clients and, and you know, I've got a good background in, in delivering services and consultancy for a range of different organisations in different sectors. Cool. Excellent. So, uh, you know, talking about uh, today, a little bit about reporting, I think, Sean, was the, was the main thing, wasn't it? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about yeah. um, re- reporting, how it's evolved, why it's important, and, and where it is at the moment currently. Um, yeah. So, your view on, on reporting then, Sean. So, I, you know, obviously it's paramount to the output of the, uh, of the, of the consultancy that we provide. So, from your view, why, why is it important, I suppose? Give a bit of background. I come from a law enforcement background, so reporting has always been, I suppose, really the nitty gritty of the finality of some kind of investigation, um, some kind of assessment, or some kind of opinion. Um, for me, it's always been evidence based, you know, reproducible, and it's always been something where a decision potentially may be made on the back of it. So, reporting for me in the context of penetration testing is really, really important to the point where decisions of what might actually be secured or maybe not secured, where you know, investment may go into the business to go out and purchase some kind of technology. Um, it also brings to the table and highlights the idea that um, you know, maybe vulnerabilities um, with active exploits active, you know, out in the wild at the moment, which really need to have that attention to, to be fixed. So it's all about bringing awareness, having a reproducible to the point where a client can, you know, act um, in a timely and a relevant fashion for me personally. Mm. I agree. I think, you know, one of the challenges that I foresee and I've seen in the, in the past is non-actionable reporting. You know, you're reporting on things that, yeah. that you know, it, it come across, you're like, oh, we've got a list of issues, but none of them are really, you know, pertain to direct mm-hmm. risk or, you know, they are a low risk level issue that perhaps, um, you know, isn't directly actionable by the client. So it just dilutes the value and the quality of those reports, which I suppose is one of the challenging things. Yeah. I've also read, you know, reports in the past whereby um, organizations have come in, done a, you know, a stellar job. Um, but the reporting has just been, you know, just not been representative of the work I'm sure that they carried out, um, which is, is, is a challenge in itself. Um, yeah. Totally. Um, For me, I'm probably a break from the mould. Typically, penetration testers hate the old aspect of reporting. They love all the, um, excuse me, the sexy stuff, which is all the, you know, the, the, the exploitation, you know, mimicking those threat actor activities, those TTPs, and trying to represent them in a simulated attack. But... Ultimately, it's about putting pen to paper in the end. What that 
hack life cycle look like? What did you achieve? How deep did the rabbit hole go? More importantly, reporting really starts at the beginning of the requirement from, from the client. You can overlay that with like cyber threat intelligence where you have, you need a direction before you go to that collection and you know, analysis and processing. So it's very much the same in that you need a direction from the client. What are you looking to achieve? What are your concerns? Where do you want this to focus? And then we can focus then reports. Something I do, um, which we have within the prison platform is something called PSCs or primary security concerns. Not only will we you know, go out and apply you know, the vulnerability assessment, you know, the penetration testing activities, but we'll also then do what I like to call scenario-based testing, listen to what the client wants, conceive um, different you know, attack objectives, weaponizing and, you know, and putting actionable sort of actions into, in, into play. So all of this can be represented in the report then. The report kind of starts at the beginning. It's kind of upside down. It's quite difficult for some people to understand that you're almost formulating a report at the beginning of a test or an assessment because you're understanding what the client really wants. And then it's almost then, and I'll talk about it a bit later, it's almost you know, moving into that, that new space where you've got you know, Web 3.0, we're talking about blockchain and that. And Crest themselves talked about you know, Crest 3.0. Maybe we should be thinking about reporting 3.0, where we start moving away from that one-dimensional sort of representation of a test i.e. the old PDF report. Very static, very limited in its, um, you know, that, that idea of attracting and getting the right order, the audience to understand at the right level, having the dynamic capability, um, bringing sort of evidence to life almost with videos and bits like that. So you're not just representing it on a piece of paper or a PDF, you're representing it somehow in a web guru as well. Mm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Lots, lots of thoughts around that, mate. Lots. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well because you know that the whole you you mentioned the whole legacy point in time. It is in essence a point in time PDF report, isn't it? You know, you come into a situation whereby it's limited in what you can change. You have to go you know, iterations of versions. You know, one point one, one point two, then two point zero, then three point zero. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just becomes um, laborious in that sense. Um, you know, I've seen I've seen a, a bit of a movement. You know, going to sort of ticket based reporting where organisations come in and look. You throw this into our Jira. You know, throw this into our Atlassian page so that we can, you know, we can mark it off ourselves yeah. or we can come in and retest it. But, you know, the concept that you're mentioning there around a web based approach to um, much more fluid and much more flexible reporting is something that I think the industry would thrive if, if you know, if um, if we were able to yeah. take something like that on. Um, I think and back to your point on, on goal based and scenario based stuff. I think it's very interesting as well that um, a lot of people seem to think that the reporting starts on day one of the test. It's just absolutely not the case. You know, you've got you've had all those preconceived conversations around um, exactly how you want to base the report, who the audience is. The audience is absolutely paramount yeah. to to how you even formulate a report before you even start writing it. You know, as you say, like um, we're having conversations with clients at the, the point of scoping and the point of project identification and project design, whereby I'm already thinking in my head, look, who's going to be reading this report? What are the outcomes? What are the goals? And then from there, you can almost formulate, you know, your approach to the best output format, the best way you can put it across and the, the language that you're using in individuals. Because, you know, the situations where you've got super technical, great individuals who are coming in and writing wicked, mm. awesome reports, but they're gauging it at such a technical level that the audience are coming to read it and go, you know, I don't know what half of this stuff is, you know. So you've got to get into a situation where absolutely. you're absolutely understanding the audience before you even start um, authoring the document. Um, yeah, yeah. You can really get into a bit of a spin, really, when you start looking at reports and how people like to digest 
severity. I mean, you can base it on CVSS scoring, you can base it on in-house sort of, you know, sort of traffic light protocol if you wanted, you know, just giving it that critical high, medium, low and informational. Ultimately, for me, what I like to work with my clients is, is having that contextual feel to it as Absolutely. well. And this is where a detailed report can really answer that question. Mr. Client, you know, it might be that we've got a bunch of criticals here, but you see those bunch of highs that you have there, that would be my focus. And the reason why I say that, giving you some context, there is active exploitation happening around those vulnerabilities. And when you aggregate, they become synergistically, you know, towards that ultimate compromise end. So having that ability not just to say, Mr. Client, you've got three criticals, four highs, and whatever else, and this is how you fix them. Let's actually start giving them the reason why. Mm. It's ultimately saying, you know, this is what could happen if you didn't, and also bringing priority. So it's almost like remediation prioritization is what we're getting into. So if you can apply that sort of um, that executive summary, like you said, talking to the right level of people, spit it out in plain English to begin with, then you've got room in the report essentially then to talk at that more technical level. Yeah. But the report should really be able to satisfy a preferable different audience sort of um, you know, positions. And that's one of the challenges the industry's got, to be honest with you, like from a reporting standpoint, the whole critical high, medium, low, because without context, mm. you're in essence not being able to provide the most value in, in, in classifying those risks as critical. Um, you know, you get organizations um, or instances where, you know, our favorite vulnerability analysis tooling has spat out um, a lot of cr critical issues or critical per se, let's yeah. say. And they, you know, they're running like round like headless chickens going, you know, we need to patch this, we need to patch this, we need to patch this. But you're yeah. in a situation whereby if an adversary is not able to exploit those issues or they're in that you know they're not directly usable by an adversary they're in essence lesser than the risks that or the vulnerabilities that are directly exploitable Absolutely. you know it's all about you know our, our, the, the, a lot of the work we do is you know adversarial simulation in that sense if i'm coming in and mm -hmm. i'm seeing a report of you know 15 criticals and going well our prioritization is to remediate these 15 criticals and then we'll work on the highs then we'll work yeah. on the mediums and you turn you try and have a conversation where you just change their mindset a little bit and you go well, let's have a look at these highs in, in, before we have a look at these criticals and see what the actual damage is, the impact is. Can, these are being actually exploited by X threat group. You know, I would, as you say, you'd concentrate your focus on those. It's similarly with criticality, and, and we're going a little bit off it, but I don't mind because, you know, we talk about critical mm. systems. And the critical systems for me is a very interesting one because I always get organisations who come to me and say, Tom, look, we, we go, we, every year we do assessments on our critical systems. And I'm thinking, that's awesome. That's great. That's great to hear. You're going away, you're doing... You're doing um, assessments and pen tests on these critical systems. But my next question is always, how do you classify that system as critical? Because yeah. what is critical to you, because it holds PID data or PII, etc., might not be critical to an attacker. You know, you might have a, a t you know a server that you you know you pen test every six months. It's critical. You know, it's awesome. Um, it sits it sits inside your network, let's say, but it's on the same VLAN as a 2009 Netscaler that sits on the public internet. Um, if that you don't classify that system as critical because you know it doesn't house any PID data, but if that's a leverage point for an adversary to use in order to facilitate access Absolutely. to that critical system, yeah. you know it's it's one of those things. It's very much about criticality, and that feeds directly into reporting as well. Because you know you're reporting, you go, we pen tested X um, organization's critical assets, um, but without actual context of the network, you've in essence missed or perhaps missed something that you know should have been deemed critical in the eyes of an attacker. Or if you're looking to you're looking to simulate that adversary would be critical to said adversary, so it's it's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's a, it's a yeah. topic that really resonates with me when I'm when I'm having conversations with clients because you know everything that 
houses houses that PID data or that patient data or that personal data or whatever it does. Um, you know, it is critical. I'm I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. But there's just broadening that mindset a little bit to to determine exactly you know why that's critical and other areas that potentially could be used as a leverage yeah. point. Sure. And this is the early conversations. This brings us back. I mean, let's talk about the whole documentation set here. Yeah. This reporting. Let's go back. You know, to that pre-scoping phase. We like to harvest as much information as we can, depending on the type of test. Obviously, simulated attack might be slightly different in where we we harvest information from. But ultimately, it's understanding from the client what they believe is, you know, the pain point in the business. Getting that information and harvesting that will really give you, you know, a greater understanding. And then having that almost as that direction um, for a report to be successful, I guess, and that's probably a word I'm looking for, is to have every reader of that report to walk away and understand what elements the testing team is trying to get across. Now, when we start talking about the less technical people, so we're talking potentially, I don't mean to be derogatory, but the C-suite tend to be less technical. So they want to understand potentially a strategic and maybe a more commercial front, why it matters and why it hurts. Then you're also going to have that element of the technical teams. Often I've done tests, bigger clients that might have a Wintel team, have a Unix team, have a networks team. And it's almost having separate narratives. Um, often I've seen sweeping statements within reports where it kind of glosses over a generalistic sort of feedback, if you like, when you've got a technical audience who's going, well, that could mean anything to any of us. Let's get really specific and let's get really down to, and I, and I think that's really down to the direction of the test. Mm-hmm. If you understand from the get-go, what exactly are the expectations of the report, that will then lend itself to a greater success. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense. Yeah, it's that narrative piece, isn't it? It's, it's paramount. Um, additionally, you know, yeah, yeah, we totally. talked about gauging the audience and, and it's very important. I think, um, I think you know, I've seen I've seen reports before where, you know, we've templ- templated an executive summary and you're thinking to yourself, well, I know this is templated because I've seen it before. And you're in a situation where this should be fully contextual around the organization. You know, this piece is the first page of that document, totally. that executive report yeah. is arguably the most important page. That and the management summary, perhaps, dependent on what yeah. you've got in your reports. That is the, the first two pages their eyes gloss off. They are the first two pages that they read. And in some cases, for some individuals, the only two pages they read. I've seen organizations gone, well, you know, I just read the summary because that's all I needed to know. You know, I'm an individual of certain seniority in the business. I need to know where our risks are, how they contextualize our business and the impact. And that's what they should be getting out of those few sections. So I think, you know, those those ones are the ones I always hone in on when I'm talking, when I'm reading a report. I'm like this, you know, this just needs to be needs to be top top draw. Um, so, yeah, it's important. What's your thoughts around sort of dynamic reporting? So traditionally, when I alluded to this reporting 3.0 sort of reference, I'm talking about getting access. A lot of clients I find now want quick data and yeah. access to information quick. Doing, you know, representing a test or assessment that, you, that you're working on or have completed, historically, you could be doing an assessment could last for a week, two weeks, whatever it may be, and then traditionally there may have been a final product at the end, which was the report. One thing I've always done with the guys is always have some kind of you know touch point, um, heartbeat with the client, always just keep them abreast of what we're finding, maybe in a form of a daily update whether that's a live call with them or we're sharing some information for a secure means to let them know, you know what it is we're finding. But it never really solved the problem of building the assessment picture. Now, it's a double-edged sword here because you know as well as I do that if you start 
let's say, showing your cards to the client that you're actually working on a center tax life cycle and those synergistical those pivot points and you reveal them to them, they're quite tempted to start going away and start fixing them, yeah. which actually then goes and scuppers you further down the road. So sometimes it's always good to have an understanding with the client. You know, Mr. Client, I'll give you a, you know early sight of issues. I'm a full believer in giving you quick data. Um, you need to go and get sight of where the vulnerabilities are, but let's agree that if there are certain attack paths that I need to pivot through, mm. please don't go closing the doors and everything that I'm finding yeah. and have that understanding so you can actually risk manage it, risk assess it as you're going through. But for me, quick data is definitely something I'm finding clients are after. Something that we are doing now on a day-to-day -day basis is giving our clients almost minute by minute, hour by hour, access to issues as the testing team is, is are finding and identifying them. Now, as you probably understand, with dynamic reporting, there's always going to be a question around confidence. So it's it's almost having that known known sort of capability. And it may change when we have the understanding, the caveat with the client is, we'll give you sight to issues that we're finding, but know this, Mr. Client, the job ain't finished yet, and a severity may change, or it might be a false positive down the road. But that is a trade-off about getting access to early data. But the upshot of that is the client can then really start getting a feel, early doors, getting real value out of a test, and then really start having that ability to start making decisions and basically looking at their infrastructure application where it really matters. Mm. Hey, so, how do you guys normally, what's your thoughts on quick data and early access? Absolutely, and I think... You know, I, I, I'm a big advocate for keeping the client abreast as much as possible. You know, I've seen situations in the past whereby, you know, we'll, we'll do a, let's say, a standard pen test and communication will go out on day one and then they'll get the report. You know, that's just not that's not a, not a healthy and, and, and collaborative approach to improving. What we're trying to do is is improve their posture in the same sense that they're trying to improve their posture. So I think the dynamicness uh, is, is in very important in that sense. I'm interested though, from your perspective, like obviously you mentioned they've got pretty much minute by minute, minute by minute updates, I suppose. Is that something that they can just log into and see that sort of what, what's going on, what vulnerability has been reported today? Or... Yeah. That's quite an interesting yeah. one. So my, my, my background was counterintelligence. Yeah. So it was always about knowledge. In the front, it's getting the gain in the headwind of understanding where the next attack might come from. Yeah. And if you are empowered to a position where you've got data acquisition that's coming in and you can start making decisions on it, you can make better, hopefully, informed decisions. So ultimately, having the ability to produce information, not always with high confidence, but with a higher confidence than not at all. Um, with Prism Platform, we have the ability to firstly invite the client into the tenancy. Yeah, yeah. And ultimately, the tester then will start the job and they're almost heartbeating the job with, with live commenting throughout that whole engagement. As and when an issue is identified, um, they can actually go and input that through a number of ingress methods, through tooling and through manual ingestation. Um, and ultimately, they can publish a certain issue so the client gets notification pretty much as fast as the internet allows um, to that issue. And they can log in, they'll get a notification email, a new high or critical rated issue has been identified within your testing engagement. Um, please log into Prism Platform now and have a look. And, th and this is exactly what, what is happening. Um, as you probably understand, new technology, but it, you know, it, it, it brings on new ways of working, but it also brings new complications. New challenges. Because yeah. testers mm. historically have 
done things in a certain way for a long time, you know, and bringing in new processes. As with you know, Prison Platform, we, we, what we're finding is we are growing at such pace that we're always finding new ways to, um, you know, do things. I see Prism as an ingester of data. And if you have structured data in the right way, like with CTR, you can ask questions of it. Then you transition from information to data then to intelligence. And this is where we're taking prison. So the customer gets the, the client gets the login and gets site pretty much straight away that the test is ongoing. And anything which is happening, it might be, you know, it is sometimes you don't find any low hanging fruit. It might be a very well behaved network or an application where you've got some really well skilled you know, devs behind it and you're not really finding too many you know, security issues. But it's always going to be down to you know, what are we finding? But as we find stuff, the USP is that we're actually putting it into prison. Mm. And it's all web-based GUI, so they just, yeah, normal internet, login and access their uh, decimal results that's, that we're finding. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one. Yeah. It's quite an interesting concept, I think. Uh, and I, I had, yeah, obviously, I've heard of prison before, platform before, but, you know, I, I didn't know the intricacies of it. It's quite interesting, especially from a dy- sure. dynamic reporting perspective because, you know, that's something we yeah. really struggle with, struggle with as an industry, absolutely. And the point, the point, totally. the, po- the, po- the point in time-esque of everything that goes into pen testing specifically you know everything i suppose everything is a point in time assessment at the point you know if it's a legacy pen test you know it's we're moving into a model now whereby we're providing that continuous assurance um, to our clients around um, continuous pen testing uh, continuous um, validation of issues you know going in and drawing some attack mm-hmm. paths inside organizations attempting to traverse those attack paths close it off those attack paths mm-hmm. you know and it's much more of a continuous life cycle of um of assurance services as opposed to going here's a point in time pen test, come back to me next August or come back to me next year where you've got that challenge where, you know, maybe you do a pen test in August, then an exploit comes out in September and then they've got to wait a year to validate that they, you know, they're vulnerable to said exploit. And that's one of the challenges with a point in time-esque piece. And I think that marries to reporting quite nicely as well. And specifically the dynamic, yeah. uh, the dynamic S that you're, you're talking about and alluded to there. Yeah. One thing that I think is really valuable is having knowledge and having the ability to ask questions of, let's say you've got a repeat customer, you've got a good relationship, the client comes to you for repeat tests, um, they use you as their, their trusted you know, testing partner, if you like. One thing that we, I like to do, we like to do at Rootshell, um, and obviously over at Prison, is to, is to nurture that relationship that they start ingesting all of their testing results. Mm. So it might not be an application test, it could be an infrastructure test, a database review, red teaming, you know, sort of engagement. And it doesn't have to be delivered by a root shell. It could be delivered by you guys. Yeah, yeah. The fact is that you could ingest your data into our platform within the same tenancy for that client. They don't have to have us as a tester. But the important is, is that going back to that quick data and having access to all that data is you can ask questions on it. Mm. One thing I've, what I'm saying at the moment, one of the new things I'm talking to customers about is that Prism doesn't forget. Yeah. What do I mean by that? is if you start building up a sort of testing regime that you've been doing over a period of years, you are now in a unique position to start trending and looking at Trend analysis, you know, yeah, exactly. how quickly time to remediation, right? Looking at the tracking of all your criticals, all your estate. It might be that you've got business departments worldwide and that you may want to say, right, I've got infrastructure tests happening over in Colombia. I've got them happening you know, in Asia-Pac, I've got them over in the Americas, uh, and also in the UK. But what I really want to know, out of all of these locations, 
who's actually suffering from, you know, Microsoft bulletin, whatever. Tell me where the associations are. And then you can almost say, right, I'll ask questions of all those locations. Traditional reporting does not allow you to do that. Yeah. You have to go back, dig out every single PDF that's ever been produced, potentially different languages, and then you've got to sit down and someone's got to go, right, or we'll sift through all this. It's almost like the early days, remember e-discovery? Yeah, yeah. So e-discovery was something when all these paginated documents were caught, and, and you've seen solicitors and lawyers going to court with boxes and stacks of paper. Everything got digitized. It all got put, you know, somehow onto a hard drive. So you can ask questions of it. It's easier to, to ask questions of that data. It's the same with reporting. Mm. And this is where I think the evolution of reporting is going. It's about being able to ask the bigger question and having to, you know, be able to, in fact, ask the question of all your infrastructure, all of your sort of, you know, geological locations that you, you may have, and all of your different tests. And the power there is to drill down a certain, like the log4j you know, of vulnerability. I want to know where this exists in all of my infrastructure and applications worldwide. Yeah. Very difficult to do when you've got reporting, you know, 1D or you know, 1.1. Yeah. Different when you've got reporting 3.0. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Know what your thoughts are? No, I, I totally agree, and I think, uh, you know, a jump set. We're we're trying to build a picture of our clients in the sense, you know, you talked a little bit about maybe they go away and do a firewall review, maybe they do a, a pen test of a web app, maybe they go away and do a data review. I want to be able to paint a holistic picture of a client's cyber posture. Of course. Um, so I can have any of my consultants go, you know, Tom, what is it? What What is this client? You know, what do you think of this client? What, you know, I've got a pen test coming up for X client. Oh, I'll just say to them, go and have a look at this. This is a context pack of this organization. This is what we've done for them. And this is how they holistically sit um, on their posture is specifically to their organization. And, and it is a valuable tool because it's that it goes back to exactly what we we're talking about at the start is context, right? If they can come to me and go, you know, oh, we're doing a database review for X client. Um, I've had a look at, you know, the other stuff that we've done for them, etc. And I've noticed that there's some synergies between two systems here. You know, there's some there's some um, some similarities. And they go, away, I found something new. How, have you spoken to them? Have we spoken to them about this system over here? We've spoken to this one about here because these are sharing the same technology base. So it's quite likely that we've got vulnerabilities in multiple places here. And that's a very valuable conversation to have with clients. You can go away and go. I'm going to provide you some insight here. We've done some testing on X system over here. We know from previous engagement and we know from um, validation of your cyber posture in the past that, you know, you've got X system and Y system over here that you really, really need to look at because this vulnerability is affecting, you know, these systems as well. And it's a great tidbit of knowledge, a great insight, and it's a great value sharing. And in essence, it does what we're looking to do, which is improve the posture of that client, um, which is, you know, it leads to, leads to much more fruitful and engaging conversations with our clients, which I think... It's something that those at Jumpsec are very keen to, to do, and I'm sure you guys are at Root Shell, to, to yeah. have those impactful, actionable, and valuable conversations. That's absolutely paramount to our day-to-day -day business because it just allows us to yeah. you know, move away from, oh, go away and do a five plus one into the space of, right, let's, yeah. Yeah, let's, go, let's, let's look at your journey. Let's look at your SDLCs. Let's look at everything that starts from your digital transformation from back when you started all the way to all this scaling in cloud technologies, all the way through to where you're going for web, you know, web 3.0, let's say, if they're going on yeah. the blockchain and things. So, you know, it, it just allows us to open up conversation. And I think reporting is a key aspect to that. And reporting, you know, doesn't need to be, as you say, a, an old style PDF. This this reporting 3.0 and, you know, having those conversations with clients during the testing and providing insights, providing updates, 
just builds relationships. It builds relationships and you can just build a relationship into a point whereby Absolutely. they come to you and say, look, we've got a challenge. And you go, right, I exa- I, I, here, let's, let's set out a plan for how we're going to help you achieve your outcome or help you fix that challenge or help you get to a position whereby you're in a, a much better position than you were last year from a cyber perspective. And, you know, you're, you're improving there. It's just, a, it's a journey, right? It's just one of those things. It's like, you know, yeah, you don't just, totally. it's not one size fits all. Um, similarly, you can't just go in and go, here's the service. Here it is. Go away and do it. Or we'll, we'll provide this for you. And it's going to make you the most secure organization in the world. That's just not how things work. It's always a journey. And I think back to reporting, if we can find a way as an industry and, you know, it's Crest and as a, you know, an industry of, of great organizations with great capable individuals to provide dynamic reporting in the sense that um, we're keeping our clients abreast. You know, they're getting the maximum value from services that they can um, at, you know, and intervals in their choosing and intervals that make the most impact for their business. We'll be in a situation where we, we, we start winning this, uh, winning this challenge of keeping yeah. organizations secure. Totally. So um, I've been involved, well, I was a former CSAM, I've expired now, yeah. but part of the skills I learned from that was I was obviously able to, to carry them over to some sort of intelligence like pen testing, I'll do some financial institutions that we've, we've done, that previous organisations I've worked on and also here at Rootshow. One thing I found that one financial institution, financial institution found really, really valuable, especially through utilisation of prison, was able to sit down with the board and show the journey that I've been involved with them as a red team pen tester, starting probably just before we had the outbreak of COVID, um, and then working through actually some things remotely. What we could do quite clearly was show improvement, positive improvement. And it was so valuable to the point where you could see smiles were happening on the board members' faces because they were ultimately now seeing a return on investment that they've moved away from why do I even, what's a pen test? Why do I even need a pen test? To actually seeing the real value of what not just a pen test brings, but actually mimicking, you know, adversary emulation and all that kind of good stuff. And then showing it how they've improved over the last three, four years and overlaying, you know, those sort of high level results to a non-technical audience. It went from that direction to that direction. So there was lots of criticals and highs to there was lots of you know, loads of informationals as time progressed. But reporting allowed us to do that. Mm. And that's the value where you can almost show a return on investment to the business. You build that collaboration and that growth and journey as a partner. Yeah. So that's something I've I've found that if we do if you do the right thing with reporting, understand the client and then represent that data in a fashion that they can really understand it. That's priceless. Absolutely. It really, really is. You know, that, 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 that sounds like, you know, an amazing situation. And I've had a couple of similar ones whereby I've gone in and spoken to execs and, and just demonstrated, a, a, as you say, a return on investment in the sense that, you know, you were here in 2012, you know, you're in a situation now where yeah. you skyrocketed, you know, you're in a much more resilient position and here is demonstration of that. And that's testament to the work that your security team have done. So, you know, from their perspective, they're thinking, you know, I've done well, demonstrates good collaboration between us and that security team it demonstrates that what they're investing in from a from a an external party to come in and go we need some help you know we've had organizations come to us and they don't really know what they need they come to us and say we've got a challenge or we need some help with our with our um with our existing cyber controls or we need some help on our journey if we're able to get to a point in a few years time where we can have those conversations with the right people and go 
you guys at the start you didn't know what you needed you came in you had you know an open book you had some challenges yeah, yeah. you had some challenges and uh, and now we're in a situation where we can actively demonstrate an improvement in cyber hygiene cyber posture and cyber resilience you know and we're in a situation where you know you have massively got return on your investment from that it smiles all around as you say yeah. like you know it's a it's a room full of cheshire cats at that yeah. point um so yeah it's great yeah. One thing we've been able to do is um, just building on that is the transition of clients. And it's based directly off reporting where you have a client which potentially may have an isolated project of an external infrastructure you know, assessment or an internal bill review or something or you know, a DB review or some kind of you know, cloud assessment. What they suddenly realized is that they're reaching a level of maturity when they're going through these kind of projects and isolation tick box audits. But once they're able to bring all this information together, you're almost creating a playbook. Yeah. And that playbook is almost where all my vulnerabilities are. This is all the technology I use. This is kind of how it's all hung together and strung together. Um, you're now in a position where you're almost got the information to produce quite a nice scope for a red team or a more mature level of sort of end-to-end pentest. Mm. And that's something I encourage the guys to do, especially when we sit down with clients and they say, well, we've done this, we've done that. Like you said, they didn't know what they really wanted. Mm. They think they needed a pen test to do this or the other. The value really comes when you start stringing it all together. Mm. You've looked at things in isolation. Now let's take all this information that we've got and let's really start piecing it together end to end. And let's, let's see how you stand up to, you know, a red team potential, yeah. some kind of, um, you know, mature intelligence-led pen test. With that reporting capability where you can draw on those that information, it really does help that scoping process. So reporting is almost you know, cyclical. The report is almost an ingester of the next level of information mm. to the next level of testing that you might be able to do for a client. So if you get the reporting right, that's really powerful to then bring on to the next. It's almost like a CTI circle, disseminate, repeat, you know, keep going around. It's the same thing with, with, with testing and reporting. If you have that conversation with a client, that, that's a great place to be. Yeah, I think it, I think it's a very good point. And, you know, I like in a situation, I've been in a couple of situations where, you know, they've, they've, they've done some testing to highlight some gaps or they've done some testing from red teaming, let's say, to, to validate the efficacy of their defensive controls. Um, and it just uh, being able to help them inform their budgetary decisions around, you know, how we should afford um, next year's allocation of budget to bring in more defensive controls or change our provider or, you know, something like that is a, is a great place to be in as an organization. If we can have those strategic conversations with clients that, you know, are, yeah. are, um, are allow our reporting and not in the sense of old fashioned PDF, us having that, those, those synergies with a client, having those conversations around, you know, you know, there were some gaps here, but you did really well here and allows them to use that information to make inform uh, future budgetary decisions. Puts us in great stead. You know, it adds value to the client for one, makes them more secure in that sense, and allows us to go. Well, next year perhaps we should think about X, Y, and Z because that's the next step on your journey. Um, yeah. Very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, we've kind of chewed the fact quite a bit about why reporting, you know, is important. Mm. What we kind of look for is milestones where we could utilise that information which is generated by you know successful testing in the form of a you know a finality of a report question I keep asking myself is one of the, I like to think I'm probably, hopefully one of the thought leaders in this space. Um, I've had the ability to kind of get some altitude 
over the gaming table and think to myself, well, I'm talking to clients, I'm looking at what we're doing as testers, I'm seeing that the way is moving, you know, into lots, lots of cloud testing, the way we're doing things is different, you know, the industry is changing. I wanted to really understand how we could really thrust forward and where the future of reporting is going. And this is probably one of the drivers that we've got at Rootshell with, with the Prisons platform. And the idea is that we want the clients not only just to be in receipt of identified issues from tests, but also have that ability to manage remediation, track it, trend it, then overlay it, augment it. The idea there ultimately is to, if you can start enriching that data with cyber threat intelligence, potentially with uh, maturity of exploits, almost taking results from a test that you've just delivered, for example, or have delivered, you are constantly monitoring those results, potentially at CVE level, potentially at whatever sort of tag that you decide to, to leverage, but ultimately monitoring the wild for activity, which may actually give a greater sort of prioritization about what really matters. It might not be a problem today, and you have this report that says it's not really a problem today, but you would want to know in six months' time that it is a problem now, especially if you're doing annual testing. One thing I've kind of coined the phrase, you understand the idea of a parabola, which is the old parabolic curve. Yeah. It's almost, you know, I look at testing in pretty much the same way for confidence. A client would come to you, potentially have their annual pen test. The confidence is high at that point because they've had a test, snapshot in time, as you correctly said. However, as the next day approaches, the day after that, and the month after that, the confidence starts to dwindle. So ultimately, you get to a point where your confidence is almost gone because you're now waiting for your next test. And where you're having that continuous testing idea that you're continually monitoring, augmenting, asking questions of the data all the time, the idea is to, to raise that confidence level that the client not only has to wait now till the next time, A, potentially, God forbid, they get compromised mm. and they need to have another test or they've got new technology and they need to have another test. Mm. Or they wait for that annual sort of subscription where, okay, we've been a year, we need another test. With dynamic on-the-ball testing, you are continually measuring all the time and reporting that back. It almost it takes away the idea of having that one big annual test because they're constantly being measured. It's like, it's like taking a, you know, your blood pressure and taking your heart rate yeah. every other month. We're constantly monitoring it. It's almost like we're keeping an eye on what we know about. You know, so there's known knowns that we're looking at. And then when you have the extra test, then it's, it's almost like we know you've got something you don't know. It's into that known unknown area so we can start looking into that. And this is where that sort of testing methodology addresses. Mm. So... For me, the future is about continuous testing. It's about access to continuous data, enabling the client to make continuous ability to make decisions, where to spend the money, where to prioritize, what should be fixed first, what shouldn't be fixed first. Not only just taking on a CVSS score, but almost saying, okay, like I said before, we've got a high here, high-rated issue. There's active exports in the wild by certain APTs that are leveraging this method. And we can attribute that right through to the MitroTAP framework, you know, with TTPs and then monitors, IOCs, it really then becomes relevant, mm. actionable, and hopefully timely yeah. for them to be able. So that's really the takeaway 
it's got to be actionable, relevant, timely. We get into the TI space a bit now. But this is where reporting should be. It should be a snapshot in time. I think we should be moving away from that. I think we should be continuing having discussions with clients, or at least giving the ability to have sight of what's going off. Understandably, we can only assess what we know about or what they put in scope. But maybe there's a discussion down the road there, or at the beginning, that there's also a discovery element to whatever it is that you are doing as part of a deliverable. But I think it's more over now than just, you know, you come to us the pen test and you go away. This turns into more of a relationship. Absolutely. It's that cyber cyber partner that kind of holds your hand, you know. I get people like shop around, right? They do a pen test company one year and they go to one the next. With the glory and the, and the utilization of the, the idea of um, um, a platform that can absorb data from anywhere. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I would encourage you, yeah. potentially, to go to Jumpset yeah, and have a test with yeah. Tom. Do you know what I mean? I want you to. Yeah. Um, and then put your data into the platform because your data enriches my data. Mm. And that then gives us a better all picture of where you are as a report. The client's only going to be better for it. And they get the ability to move around testers and the set of eyes and all the things. What's your thoughts, Tom, on sort of evolution and the future of reporting? It absolutely has to be uh, dynamic, like you say. I think, you know, we cannot be in a situation in, in, in five, even three years' time, you know, where we're still providing these legacy point-in-time pen tests and PDF reports because it's just not fast enough. It's just not quick enough. It just not doesn't it doesn't get the right outcome. You know, it, it's very good from a, a compliance perspective, you know, five, five, ten years ago going, oh, you know, we'll do a pen test of one asset. And now things have evolved massively. We need to make sure that the, con- the context is there. We need to make sure the assets that are connected to that asset are also tested, are validated, and that the, you know, the, the vulnerabilities that pertain to those assets is is communicated and quickly. It needs to be fast. Yeah. You know, you think about these, you know, speed is paramount. You think about these um these threat groups, right? They're dropping zero days that, you know, that these CVs are coming out. Next thing you know, t- 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, it's being actively exploited. You know what I mean? They're all over it mm-hmm. across the internet. You think about Log4j and in that sense, how quick that materialized. It was over a bank holiday weekend, um, you know, how, yeah. you know, how everyone, everyone had clocked off on a Friday, had a beer and everything. And you, you had these guys timely. Uh, very timely, timely. And specifically timely. Of course it was. These guys are smart people. Um, they do it. They're, they're a business. You know, they're, they're trying to make financial gain. Of course, that's what they'll do. Um, you know, it's a, it's a case of, um, you know, they came to the Monday morning or, it came, you know, some people were woken up on Friday evening to patch these systems. I'm sure they were in CNI, et cetera. Um, and, you know, it's about how we can use that, use this more dynamic reporting to go, okay, yeah, we validated that's patched within five minutes of you rolling the patch out. You know what I mean? That's yeah. much more easy conversation for to have than go, a uh, much more valuable conversation to have than go, okay, we've we've done a retest on your asset now to see if it's vulnerable to Log4j. You get rid of your report in three days. That's just not, that's just not feasible. That's just not good enough because we don't know, mm, for, no. we don't know for those three, for that three day period if it's vulnerable and if a threat actor, you know, is, is spraying this exploit across the internet and could potentially compromise our service. Um, so it has to be dynamic. And I think you're absolutely right for what you're saying about um, actionable. Actionable for me is the key. You know, it has to be, that. those reports absolutely have to be actionable. You've got a situation where you've got a list of vulnerabilities that aren't, you know, that potentially you've got SSL issues or things like that, that, you know, never in, in the history of it as a threat actor ever exploited an SSL issue. So I suppose I wouldn't argue it's invalid to report an issue like that, but I'd argue that you should prioritize your time on something that's going to be actionable, valuable, and that's going to be exploited by a threat group or possibly could be exploited by a threat group. So in the sense of, yeah. in the sense of output and in the sense of dynamicness, 
or esque, let's say. I think um, the PDF and the the old school way of reporting, you know, it just needs to. It has its place. It's had its place, let's say, and we need to move in. We, yeah, 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 it had it. It's had its place. We now need to move in a, into a place that um, into a place that we're collaborating and 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 keeping clients abreast in a much more um, consultative and, and and fast manner, so that we can we can get the right value and the right piece out for them because. You know, um, I, I like the idea, you know, we, we from a jump set perspective, you know, we still do the old PDFs in some senses, but um, for specific clients, for some reasons, um, let's say, but we do have a model here whereby, you know, some organizations, they, they always want to know um, from the perspective of what they look like from a cyber perspective, they don't need a report. At the end of the day, it's a formality. The value comes in a test from, you know, um, uh, test day one to day X, let's say. The point at the report is almost a case of, okay, well, we validated that you're not vulnerable in any sense. Here's a here's a document. Some clients are going, well, we don't really need that, to be honest with you, Tom. Let's come in. Come in. You come into the office. We'll sit down together. You know, we do a bit of testing. You can walk, walk, walk me through it, walk the board through it, and then come to me with an attestation and say, look, we're fine. There's no problems here. And in the future, we can go away mm-hmm. and have those conversations again. And, you know, we've, we've also, from a jump set perspective, started um, putting, like, similar to prism i suppose in the sense that it's much more dynamic um putting results into a much more actionable platform so you know putting something into uh, mm-hmm. getting the results and putting it into something that's directly actionable you know they can mark it as fixed or you know they can mark it as ready to retest or whatever and then we come in and validate those findings and it's a quick five minute process it doesn't have that laborious element of um waiting five days for a report waiting three days for a report to get the findings that you require immediately you know, you're in a situation. We've had clients who, you know, similarly to Log4j, as I mentioned, big threat, uh, big CVE or exploit has, has been released. You know, they want to validate their susceptibility to it immediately. Now, it's a paramount to them because they know it's being spread across the. Well, sometimes they don't know, you know, but yeah, it's being spread across the uh, the internet. Let's say it needs to be an immediate turnaround. And I think, you know, from a from an organisation and industry perspective, I think we've got a little bit of a mindset shift. Come on, uh, come in. I think. To get where you're talking about, which is absolutely the right direction, Crest and also um, organisations really need to take this on board. I think the only way we're going to get to this position is if the entire industry realises the value of something like this. Because if you've got organisations still providing the legacy point-in-time PDFs and going, this is the most valuable product for you because you've got X system in isolation and you want to validate how secure it is, we've got to, we've got to, as industry, change that mindset. Because that's absolutely, from my perspective, and this is my opinion, I, I presume it's yours, is not the most valuable output for a client trying to improve their posture. The most valuable output for a client trying to improve their posture is continuous assurance around their assets, their cyber controls, their their um, their posture in general, and be continuous yeah, measurement. Yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah. It, it just needs to be a much more holistic approach to looking at their um, their controls and their vulnerabilities, etc., and then providing them an output that's actionable usable and valuable like you say so i absolutely agree i think to be honest sure something was really interesting there and, and, and i absolutely agree with you when you talk about trying not to convert the industry to move into this new sort of way of reporting i had a client where we had a specifically complicated exploit that one of my uh, web app principles that managed to exploit but it was kind of chained through a number of events which you might understand with static screenshots and lots of text can be very difficult to reproduce. Even when you've got the most um, you know, versatile person we have the command of the English language, it can be quite difficult to try and get the user to buy in to 
to the depth of this particular vulnerability. And also on the technical front, it's very difficult sometimes to visualize. And sometimes, despite how as much evidence as you think they need, make it as reproducible as it is, they, they, they come back for more info. What we can do in the platform is almost, we actually create videos. So you drill into an issue, and if it's a complicated issue where there are lots of moving parts, like a chained event or a chained attack, what we do is we actually create a video which is embedded within the issue, part of the technical details, and essentially shows that whole attack lifecycle, showing all the moving parts with voice narrative over, and it solved so many problems, mm. especially around some of the red teams. Yeah, yeah. Because when a client wants to know, how the hell did you get domain admin on our network? You know, well, we managed to leverage this, we pivoted off that, you know, we compromised this, we messed off this. Mm. I get yeah. it. They sit back and they go, if I had the BDF report, that is just unique issues in a row. Mm. What you've now done is you've brought it all to life. All these issues now make sense. I can see how you've gone from A to B to C to D, and now you've given me a really bad day. Mm. And I can see how you've done it. Mm. And that is, is so well represented. If you can have a video that shows that whole process, I encourage clients to sit down and get a coffee and a biscuit. Yeah, absolutely. I say to them, you know, get a coffee, give yourself a bit of quiet time and watch what we did. Then I also create, it's almost like an attack map. Mm. So I will, I will automate a pictorial representation of moving from that OSI recon sort of stage, weaponizing, operationalizing, enumerating, and then just taking through the stages almost pictorially of how the attack kind of, you know, was, was put together and how it was successful. Yeah. Um, so moving parts, I think is definitely part of the future as well. Mm where you can really lay on visually. Because a lot of people take on information differently. If you've got a static one-page report, I learn about you. I, I read books. Do I like it? Not really, depending on how dry or technically, yeah. you, know, it, you know, in depth it is. But I do learn a lot visually, which means watching and doing. I don't know how, you know, that's how I kind of learn. Yeah. I've opt I like to have a go at things and learn hands-on. So watching a video, actually made a lot more sense to me at times. Yeah. I don't know what you thought. No, I absolutely agree. I think it's different. People have different learning styles, don't they, of course. You know, my, uh, my mine is very much a, I'm very much a practical individual in the sense that, you know, I can't sit there and be lectured at for, for, for nine hours, five hours, however long it yeah. is. And I, I, could, I could sit there, I'll listen, but will it go in? Oh, unlikely. Um, it's much more much yeah. more valuable when I'm, you know, when I'm hands-on. And I think you're, to, your, to your point about... Um, uh, I suppose a pictorial approach. I think it's, it's paramount. I think you know we we do the we you know in times gone times gone on we've done the the isolated pen test on assets. But if you're able to draw you know attack paths about how it went from X Y to Z, you know how the how the attacker was able to or how we were able to achieve the goal that simulates an attacker goal. Let's say it's much more valuable to the organisation to say okay you know we've you know, we've got gaps here 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 and here. That's something I aspire to do in all of our our simulated attacks is to is to draw out that attack path and map it to the cyber kill chain and steps on the cyber kill chain, etc. Um, similarly yeah. with videos, I think it's a very interesting point because I recently did one, an assessment where I, I did a video of the, how the fish executed, you know, for a simulated attack. And it was quite cool just to demonstrate yeah. to the, yeah. uh, to the organization, you know, it went from LNK to ISO to EXE, you know, the specific attack path and how it looked from a user perspective, which is much more insightful than mm. seven or eight screenshots of different steps. Because it just draws, it paints, them, exactly. paints that picture and paints that, you yeah. know, allows them to live what the user lived when they click that fish and what, you know, how. Totally. Yeah, exactly, life. exactly. And, and, and it's a very, very good element. Similarly, I like sitting down with clients and giving presentations. You know, I like sitting there with them, you know, getting them in a room and going, you yeah. know, we're, 
you know because of covid things got a bit you know over vc bit of video chat and stuff it's just not the same as me and you shooting this shooting the um i was going to say a word there but i didn't say it <laughs> so, uh, this is chat chatting away let's say yeah you, uh, you know chat chatting yeah. away in in a room and you know having that eye contact and so it's just not the same so from a from an output perspective going away and being able to come on site to the to the client site spinning up a, a nice presentation and perhaps demonstrating that video walking through walking them through the attack path um you know demonstrating how we how we're able to facilitate and achieve goal x y and z is just a much more fruitful and engaging conversation and if you can have those engaging conversations and have those conversations with clients whereby you know they're invested in what you've done what you've achieved and how they can remediate it that's that value piece have you ever thought for one minute and i'm sure you have many many times especially if you do some like a physical ingress assessment it's very difficult to represent a successful physical ingress assessment mm -hmm. on a piece of paper yeah. if you could video it how you tailgated somebody how you actually socially engineered mm -hmm. somebody how you you know defeated some kind of access control to show that end-to-end -end process it's priceless yeah, yeah. it really is because yeah. you can drill into it i get it oh okay yeah, he, he tailgated through there, the time delay between the man trap was too slow or whatever. You know, it, it really does just, just, just bring it all to life. Yeah. I think, like you said, there's, there's lots of room for improvement with reporting. Some people, I guess, will be quite happy still working because of client requests to work with PDS and static reports. But I think we all should be definitely considering, you know, moving towards what I like to call reporting 3.0. Is really looking to bring sort of dynamic, quick data, which is actionable, relevant, and timely. And that that really is important because there's no point in bringing a report two, three weeks after a test mm. when there's active exploits happening to an exploit your vulnerability that you've identified three weeks ago in a client's network and they don't know about it. Yeah. So it's very interesting. You know, it's, a, it's it's a very good topic. Do you know what I mean? I think we've had a great chat about. Oh, we've gone for hours about it. Of course, of course. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things that. I'm quite passionate about because I want value for our clients and our and our services. I want our clients to be happy Certainly. and feel value, have a valued service in that sense. And I think, you know, what we're talking about here is the future of a future of reporting. And I think as an organ industry yeah. and, and as a, you know, and as an industry, we've got to move in that direction. Um, so yeah. Well, if you ever get ten minutes, Tom, I'm more than happy to give you a demo of prison, mate. Yeah, definitely. And maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll come to the, <laughs> maybe I'll come meet you in person. Eh? We'll have a, we'll have a beer or a coffee or something. I think yeah, I think we will. I think you and I get on really well, mate. This is this has been too easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has been too easy today, mate. Yeah. I think this has not not been hard work at all. Yeah. We've just chit chatted all the way through it, yeah. just missing the point, mate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, that's excellent, and I think uh, I'll I'll definitely take you up on that. So, um, absolutely. Good. We'll keep yeah. in touch. Good stuff. Good stuff. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cyber Tech Talks. And a big thank you to Sean and Tom for sharing their expertise on all things pen testing reporting. We look forward to bringing you more episodes with cyber experts. Make sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on Twitter and LinkedIn for further updates. You can get links to those in the show notes. This podcast was brought to you by Crest, an international not-for-profit membership body representing the global cybersecurity industry. 